This morning we're going to continue. We started last week talking about the missing link. And today we're going to continue another part of that. And last week we talked about the missing link in righteous living. And talking about the Holy Spirit's role in helping us live in such a way that is honorable and pleasing to the Lord. And guiding our steps and leading us towards God who is holy and righteous in all of His ways. And so today we're going to continue talking about this missing link. But today we're going to talk about the missing link in purposeful living. And a lot of times, as we're going to see today, as we're talking about going about the Christian life, is that when the Holy Spirit is present and active in our lives, the Holy Spirit helps us live out our purpose for God and helps us find our place where we are supposed to be in the kingdom of God and uses us to glorify God in mighty, awesome ways. And so this morning, we're going to read a story or read part of a story in Acts chapter 3 and 4. I'm going to kind of summarize a little bit to you about what happens in Acts chapter 3. We see here in Acts chapter 3 that this incredible miracle takes place. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit had descended upon the church and empowered them in such a mighty way. And then we read here in Acts chapter 3 that Peter and John begin their ministry and begin going about the community. And as they are going about their community, they discover at the gate of the temple is a man who cannot walk. And he was asking for alms from those who were entering the temple. And Peter and John looked at him and told him, as a matter of fact, and said, or Peter looked at him and said, rather, that I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. And immediately this man who had not been able to walk stands up and walk and right in front of all of these people. Now you have to remember as we're reading this that this is a very public setting. So this miracle occurred in front of a lot of people. A lot of people saw it. The leaders of the temple heard about it. The leaders of the community heard about it. And this miracle was a mighty miracle enacted in the life of the believers together. But it wasn't because about anything that they were doing. You'll notice that Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. And this is the important thing you're going to hear today as we're talking about the missing link in purposeful living. That a lot of times the missing link for us in helping us live out our purpose is the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit is present and living in the life of the believer, it's always, the Holy Spirit is always, He is always going to put the attention back to Jesus. Peter did not take credit for this. John did not take credit for this. They gave all the credit to Jesus as we're going to see. So the story goes on, and the amazing thing happens is, is that after this miracle happens, is that Peter begins to preach the gospel. He begins to tell them about all these things that have happened in the Old Testament and now in the New Testament, and talking about Moses and bringing it full circle together so that they could hear the gospel. Well, of course, the leaders of the community and the council, they didn't like this. They didn't like that Peter and John were preaching in the name of Jesus, the one that they knew who they crucified and had rose again. They didn't like it. The Bible tells us, and Luke is very careful to record in Acts chapter 4, that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he began to talk to them. And he began to point to them all the things concerning Scripture and bringing their attention to Jesus once again. And he was preaching the gospel again. 
They came to them once again and said, no longer can you preach in that name. Don't tell us about Jesus anymore. Don't preach in the name of Jesus. And they threatened them and they told them that they had to leave and go from that place. And they were just really smothering the work that they were trying to do. But this didn't stop Peter and John. As a matter of fact, it did just the opposite. As it is most of the time in the case of the book of Acts, is that any time that someone tried to inhibit the work of the Lord, it was like pouring gasoline on the fire. It just stirred it up even more. And so Peter and John do something incredible as they gather together and pray. And that's what we're going to read here today in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It says, After they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they raised their voices to God. Now I want you to note what their response was, is that when they had opposition, when they had people who told them, don't preach in the name of Jesus, watch what they did. Their response was they went and they raised their voices together to God. What an appropriate response and a lesson for us even today is that the early believers knew that there was no stopping God. There was no inhibiting the work of the Lord. So when they had some opposition, when they had some people come against them, they prayed. And so then the Bible goes on to say that they prayed, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them, it is you who said by the Holy Spirit through our ancestors David, your servant. Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples imagine vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers had gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in this city, in fact, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel gathered against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed now watch what Peter and John did is that they made this prayer in this gathering of disciples and they said they they didn't pray they've come against us they prayed that you've, they've come against your holy servant, Jesus. They were careful, once again, to put the attention. It wasn't about them. It was about Jesus, whom they were rejecting and pushing against. And so they were careful to pray, as they went on to say, Do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And then we'll close with this last verse here. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. I love this encounter of the believers because this encounter of the believers and there's lots of texts that we could have read today as we're talking about the Holy Spirit but this one really highlights the purpose of our lives and the purpose of the Holy Spirit working through our lives is we see that when the Holy Spirit comes when the Holy Spirit fills us and uses us, the attention is always about Jesus. It is always about the gospel. It is empowering us in using what they prayed, do signs and wonders that are done through the name of Jesus. It was always a way that the world would know that Jesus is great and not man. It was a way of the people being empowered so that they could live out their God-ordained purpose. And so today, I want to talk to you about a few things about the Spirit. 
A few things as we're going to read here in John chapter 4, or Acts chapter 4 rather, as we talk about what does it mean, the missing link, the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Did you know that God wants you to be full of the Holy Spirit? Full of the Holy Spirit so that you can experience what Acts 1.8 says, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And because of that, you will be my witnesses. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit coming. In John chapter 3, we see Jesus walking on the road with Nicodemus in the middle of the night. And he's talking to him. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. And of course, as for any of us, that would have been a difficult conversation to understand. What do you mean be born again? That's, that's hard to understand. But John, Jesus was talking, and he goes on to say that if you're going to be born again, you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. Ephesians 1 says it this way, that in him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, you were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. When you and I come to salvation in the Lord and we come and our lives are surrendered to God, the Bible assures us that we have been marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. We've been born of the water and the Spirit. It's the beginnings of God regenerating our lives, making us new creations in Christ. It's the beginnings of our lives, as 2 Corinthians 5 says, that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All has passed away, all the former things have passed away, and all things have become new. It's the Holy Spirit working in our hearts, helping us to become more like Jesus on the earth, to represent his image on the earth. And the Bible also shows us, as we read last week, when you're talking about receiving the Spirit, that here is Jesus when he was baptized. He was 30 years old. And when he was beginning his ministry, the Bible says he walks up to John and says, I must be baptized. And the Bible, they go down to the Jordan, and there is Jesus being baptized. And the Bible says, in the form like a dove, the Holy Spirit fell upon him and rested upon him. But the remarkable thing about that chapter is it's the chapter after that, that we see that Jesus, the Bible says that the Spirit drove him into the wilderness where he would face temptations and tests. And after that, the Bible says, after he went through all of those temptations and in the fight against Satan, that the Bible says that he returned in the power of the Spirit. And so we get the idea through Jesus' baptism and the descending of the dove upon him and the accounts of the books of Acts that this suggests that there's an experience after conversion of the filling of the Spirit for the empowerment to reach the world for Jesus Christ. Nothing less, nothing less. That the Holy Spirit, Bible, one writer said it this way, that the empowerment of God's Spirit, we are called to take Jesus' message both to those around us and to the ends of the earth. And without the help of the Holy Spirit, we can't do it. So this is why it's important, as the Bible teaches us, about receiving the Spirit. Because it's the work of the Spirit that is driving the missional nature of the church. It's the work of the Spirit through working through you and I that is pushing us and using us to declare the gospel in a mighty way so that all the world can know about God's forgiveness through His Son, Jesus. So that's receiving the Spirit. Now let's talk about empowered by the Spirit. 
You know, when we read here in Acts, we read about these apostles and these women and these followers of Christ. They were uneducated, they were untrained and unpolished, and they were men and women filled with the Spirit, and they led the church as they were empowered by the Spirit of God. We can't underestimate what was happening here, is that here is Peter. Here is Peter who is a fisherman all of his life. He doesn't really know the law that well by nature of his career. And he's going about the ministry. He's going about his life. But here he is after he's been empowered by the Holy Spirit, preaches a sermon. And as a matter of fact, he starts quoting scripture from the Old Testament and bringing it all together full circle. And this is an, an example of the power of the Holy Holy Spirit working through the life of a believer. And we see that he begins to quote Joel and he says, this is what Joel talked about, that in the last days God will pour out his spirit. And even here he quotes the Psalms and David and talking about how they will come against the Messiah. We see that they were empowered by the spirit to declare the kingdom of God has come. This is the chief function of the Holy Spirit. This is the chief reason that you and I need the Holy Spirit. One writer said it this way, that the, the early church lacked all the equipment that today we assume we need to get the job done. They lacked Christian literature. They, last, they lacked mass communications, rapid transportation, and they acknowledged that silver and gold, they had none. But because they had a radical dependence on the power of God, they turned their world upside down. And can I tell you, that is such a relief it's such a relief to me as somebody who's in ministry to know that I don't have to depend on all of the methods that we use for ministry, but I can depend on the one who is God to do ministry working through us. It's God's promise to help us as we are trying to reach the world and see our world turned upside down for the glory of God, the Holy Spirit empowering and using us to declare God's goodness in the world. I remember when I was just a new believer and God's spirit had just filled my life and encountered me in a mighty way. I noticed that something changed about my disposition and something changed about the way I related to people. Is that people who I thought I knew well, I noticed that there was just this unction from God driving me to try and point them to Jesus. There was always this thing that said you need to make what's inside of you known to all of the world. It was a new boldness that I had not had before. And we see that in Acts, God's Spirit did the same thing. He empowered His church to evangelize the world. Whether by signs or with boldness to speak or both, it was God's Holy Spirit empowering the church to change the world. Oftentimes when we talk about ministry and we say we need this thing or that thing and that's not to discount all of the amenities we have, they are helpful and useful. Or we maybe say we should do this thing or that thing. But listen, when we read the book of Acts, when we read the New Testament, it's a church put on display that had nothing in and of themselves. They lacked every resource imaginable, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, they started a global movement that evangelized the world through the power of the Holy Spirit working through them. Listen, the gospel went for the greater parts of Europe because the Holy Spirit was compelling the disciples. You can read throughout book, the book of Acts how they said the Spirit led us 
compelled us through the greater parts of Asia and even for us here today to have the gospel. It's the result of people who were yielding themselves to being empowered by the Spirit so that all the world may know about Jesus. The missing link oftentimes is the Spirit of God filling us and empowering us and guiding our steps in a purpose that would glorify God in a mighty way. We need to be empowered by the Spirit. If Jesus needed the Spirit for His ministry, if the early believers needed the Spirit for their ministry, then you and I need the Holy Spirit for our ministry, for our lives. This isn't just reserved for people you see on stage with a microphone. This is reserved for every person who is a part of the body of Christ. Every person here today, you're a believer of Jesus Christ. You have a place in the body of Christ and God has the gift of His Spirit available to help you, empower you to enact your purpose on earth. So then the question is, is how do we make a difference? How do we do it? How does that happen? A lot of it's supernatural. I can't explain it, but I just want to point your attention to this, that when we're talking about the early believers, sin was rampant in the day of the apostles. We think we're living in bad times now. Listen, go back to early Rome. It was disgusting, terrible times. If things were happening left and right, Christians being put on stakes and persecuted, they were led into the Roman Colosseum. The Christians were led there to fight ferocious animals, to watch them be mauled to death, all for the sake of entertainment and because they identified themselves as followers of Christ. How disgusting that was. But yet the church had something in their back pocket that the rest of the world could not lay their hands on, and it was the power of the Holy Spirit working through them. You would read the New Testament and you would think that ought to be the headline of the New Testament. We face this persecution, that persecution. You would think that that was the thing that would just overtake all the things that were happening in the early church. How their friends and their brothers and sisters were being tortured for the sake of Christ. But the headline of the New Testament is not be that we were persecuted. It was that we were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And even though the emperors and the governors and the rulers said stop preaching in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit empowered empowered us and help us to continually faithfully preach the gospel they were filled with the spirit so much so that when they laid their hands on the sick they recovered they prayed for the lame and they walked they led thousands of people to christ through their empowered preaching go read acts chapter 2 after peter preached the gospel he had never preached in his life the bible says three thousand people were added to the church that day don't you think that was through the gifting and ability of peter not at all. It was through the power of the Holy Spirit working through Peter's life and using him. And if you and I want to make a difference for the kingdom of God, if you and I want to see our world turned upside down like the believers did in their day, it is this, be filled with the Spirit. So much so that you could lay your hands and see people recover, see divine orchestration before your eyes and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. What better way to make a difference in our world than to be filled with the Holy Spirit who knows the mind of God and knows exactly what our world needs right now. Listen, the kingdom is not a matter of talk, but the Bible says of power. And God took a stand against sin when he sent his son in the world who filled, the, filled with the spirit, pushed back the darkness, and through signs and wonders made the proclamation that the kingdom of God has come. Listen, the world doesn't need another opinion. There are plenty of those. What the world needs is men and women empowered by the Holy Spirit who unashamedly follow His guiding and witness God in action on the earth. That is what 
will turn our world upside down. That is what will change lives and hearts. It's not anything you and I can do, but the Holy Spirit transforming, regenerating, and doing a new creation work on the earth. All that to say, oh, how we need the power of the Holy Spirit. The type of power that says when you're standing with your coworkers and you don't know what to say. You don't know how to talk to them about what they're going through. But the Holy Spirit filling you gives you the words to say. And that person finds the Lord and surrenders their whole life to them. The type of feeling that, in, that it just empowered the person who told me about the Lord and shared their story about how God transformed their life. And those words hit my heart in such a way that made me realize I need Jesus. And that type of preaching doesn't come through manuscripts or planning. It comes through the power of the Holy Spirit working through the lives of the believers. And that is what will transform lives. And you and I, we need that. We need that. Our world needs that. More than ever before, our world needs that right now. We think we, the world needs this thing or that thing. But listen, the thing that changed the world that the believers were in and the church was the Holy Spirit empowering there is no there is no there is nothing better than God working through us there is no program there is no method there is no this or that that is better than God himself working through you and I that is who changes people is God Almighty and that's what we need today the Bible shows us even this though that the believers they didn't emphasize only the blessings of serving God they learned to serve God no matter what empowered by God's Spirit. They went on and just preached the gospel. It didn't matter if they had an obstacle here, obstacle there. They were just faithful to testify about Jesus. Faithful to testify about Jesus. It's a lesson to us today. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what tries to stop the work of God there is nothing that can stop the work of God. And there are many people today who grow discouraged by things they see and hear. But listen, there is no thing that compares to the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no government, there is no ruler, there is no emperor, there is no this or that that can stop the work of the Lord. It's God's work, not humans' work. And God Almighty always wins victorious in the end. We need the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. So we talked about receiving the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. And then I want to talk to you about this where a lot of us sometimes maybe get confused, and that's the signs and wonders of the Spirit. You see, the miracle of Pentecost, the miracle of what happened in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit coming upon the early believers, was this, that ordinary people were empowered with God's extraordinary Spirit. That was the miracle, that they had nothing to boast in and of themselves. So instead, it was their joy to boast in their weaknesses. It was just like we've talked about in a recent prayer meeting. Paul said it this way, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. There are a lot of times today we're always trying to bring attention to our strengths. And as I read this, I had to realize, Lord, how often I'm trying to search for my strengths when you are just trying to get me to the place where I get comfortable knowing my weaknesses. Because as Paul said, when I am weak, then Christ is strong. His power is made sufficient in our weakness. And so Paul and the early believers, they didn't boast of the things that made themselves great. They boasted that they had weakness because that made 
made room for God's power to fill them and use them in such a mighty way. It was working in such a way that they acknowledged their weaknesses that when signs and wonders came, there was no way they could take credit for it because they realized, I am weak. I can't do this. I can't preach the gospel. I can't write the letters of the New Testament. I can't do this or that. It's only God's Spirit working through the life of the believers. So therefore, when we're talking about signs and wonders of the Spirit, be careful of this. Have the disposition of Paul. I will boast of the things that show my weakness. I will boast of the things that demonstrate I have nothing in myself. It's only the Holy Spirit. So as oftentimes we see in the Bible, the Spirit's work is confirmed or initiated through signs and wonders. And signs and wonders were evidence of Jesus' earthly ministry. And likewise, signs and wonders are evidence of the Holy Spirit's earthly ministry. One writer says it this way, that signs and wonders remain the primary method of drawing people's attention to the gospel. And this is exactly what happened in Acts chapter 3 and 4 as we just read. There was a man who was lame. Watch the story. Watch how the storyline goes. There was a man who was lame who had not been able to walk. The power of the Holy Spirit working through them. The man stood up. And watch what happened. All the people started looking. How did this happen? What's going on? And what does the next thing that happened is immediately Peter preaches the gospel. There was no room for them to give credit to Peter. There was no room for them. It caused people to disrupt their daily patterns of life to realize that there is an extraordinary God among the ordinary lives that we are living. And it caused them to look to God and say, what is going on? And that was the opportunity as Jesus did in his ministry and Peter did in this moment is he preached the gospel. He told them about how Jesus saves, how he forgives, how he redeems, how he sets free how all of this has been working through the Old Testament and now the Messiah has come. It was always about pointing people to Jesus. Listen, spirit-filled people understand that signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. But spirit-filled people do not live for signs and wonders. They live for God. They live to honor Him. They live to please Him. And the signs and wonders are just the result of the overflow of that relationship with God. Some have said it this way, that we have got caught up sometimes in not seeking the face of God and instead have sought what is in the hand of God. And every time that that has happened in Scripture, watch what God does is He closes His hand up and He stops. It was the story of the Tower of Babel that they had, a, they had this, all the people spoke the same language, they knew each other. It was this beautiful community of people that God was blessing and they decided, the Bible says, that they wanted to make a name for themselves. And they wanted to build a tower that would reach up to the heavens to God. And so they began to build a tower that it was intended to make a name for themselves. But watch what Genesis 4 says. That when they began to build a name for themselves, the Bible says he came down among them. He scattered them across the earth and confused their languages because, so that they wouldn't understand each other. Because they were trying to make a name for themselves. Listen. If there is ever a time where anyone tries to use signs and wonders to make a name for themselves, that's not the work of the Lord. And God will immediately close up that hand and he will withdraw his blessing from that place. Because when God is at work, it's so that people might get forgiveness and salvation in their lives and know Jesus as Lord, not so that they might clap us and applaud a platform. 
You and I, we're going to have to give an account for all the people in the name of signs and wonders have made a name for themselves. If they're not making a name for Jesus, then who are they leading people to? We've got to be careful that every time that the Spirit is working, it's done in such a way that it causes people to look to Jesus once again. God has not called us to be consumed with this sign or that sign. God has called us to be consumed with Him, that He is the affection and the passion and the joy of our heart. This was the story of the apostles that they were so sad that Jesus was gone. They were looking for Him and waiting for Him. They were constantly wondering, how can we get to Him again? They just wanted Jesus. And it was that type of heart that God gave them His Holy Spirit and empowered them and the signs and wonders just confirmed that God is here and present among us. Jonathan Edwards warned of spiritual counterfeits during genuine times of revival. And William Seymour argued that one who focused on signs more than on God and His holiness would eventually get a counterfeit. When we try to imitate type of some type of sign or wonder, all you're going to get is a replicate. But if you try to follow the Lord and please, the God, please God, then you're going to get God. You're going to encounter God who is alive and well. And we need the Lord. If God works miracles, one person said, the miracles must be for the honor of God's name alone. Must be. And this is the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit. Is that, yes, signs and wonders accompany the Holy Spirit. And yes, when they come, it's glorious, it's beautiful, it's amazing, and it's a foretaste of our heavenly experience to know that God is powerful and mighty and awesome in all of His ways. When you and I stand before the Lord one day in the throne of heaven, it is going to be the most majestic thing you've ever seen with your eyes, the most powerful sight that you've ever seen. And signs and wonders are just a foretaste of that heavenly experience where God is powerful and mighty where God is able to command stars and moons and waters and oceans and green grass and all the things the birds of the air all of those things it's just a foretaste and so why not God interrupt the natural with the supernatural so that his people might delight in him and in him alone don't delight in some person I beg you delight in God delight in who he is We need signs and wonders of the Spirit. But more than that, we need the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit filling us and encountering us and using us to declare the gospel. And sometimes it's signs and wonders that God uses to open somebody's eyes who have been cold-hearted for years to realize, wait a minute, God is real. And I need him in my life. I need to humble myself and repent. I need to realize that I need him more than anything, more than, more than anything in the world. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. So then the question begins to ask, it becomes to us, is we talk about receiving the Spirit. We've had the seal of the Holy Spirit. We've been, we want to be empowered by the Spirit. And we want to make a difference in our world. We want the signs and the wonders of the Spirit. And so what's, what's next? What do you do now? This was always the tricky part for me because there's so many teachings, I think, that sometimes maybe confuse us more than they help us. What did, what, did, what did it take for those early believers who were following Jesus, but they wanted to be empowered by God's Spirit and change the world by preaching the gospel through the help of the Holy Spirit? What did it take? This was the question as I began to just pray and discern. It just, it just amazed me about the heart of God in it all. It humbled me. 
The Bible says that Jesus told those disciples before he ascended into heaven, he spoke to them and he said, he said, see, I'm sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Some translations say, wait or tarry there. In other words, they knew that they had to do this. Was that place that they were going to gather in that upper room in the Jerusalem? Is all they knew was that they were supposed to wait. And this is the beautiful thing is, when you wait, it means to anticipate an expected event after some time. You're not just waiting for nothing. You're waiting, anticipating something's happening. When you go to the doctor, you wait in the doctor's office expecting the doctor's eventually going to call you back and it's going to be your turn. And this was the disposition of these believers in this room was that they were waiting, tarrying there. And they knew that they couldn't go anywhere else. They couldn't go about their ministry. They couldn't do anything more until what Jesus had said come true, until you've been clothed with power from on high. They lived in expectation. You see, expressions of the Spirit, they're not reduced to self-attention and emotionalism experiences. The Spirit came to point people to Jesus. And the Spirit, trying to convince people to live filled with the Spirit is challenging because of the reproach brought upon the church by many who misled or misguided many people in the name of being spirit-filled. And we often get caught up focusing on methods and formulas, but the truth is if God could be condensed into a method or a formula, then could He really be God at all? If we could just sum Him up in one equation, then could He really be God? He's bigger than that and greater than that, and thank God He is. The Bible teaches us in Psalm 84 that no good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. It comes down to this. You don't have to be strange or weird to be filled with the Spirit as though the perception may be. You just have to have what the early believers did, and it was desire, hunger, waiting, anticipation, knowing something is coming. Someone is coming, and He's going to change us. It's the type of thing that I've learned lately, having a newborn in my home is that as soon as she cries, I've never seen Charlie move so fast in his life. It's the same thing that happens with you and I. It's that when his children, when God's children begin to cry to him and say, God, we're waiting for you. We're hungry for you. We're longing for you. That Father God that he is, immediately he responds and says, I take delight in the person who delights in me. And because you want me, you don't want signs and wonders. You don't want what's in my hand because you desire to seek my face. Because you want to be near me, I'll fill you. I'll come and as a matter of fact, my spirit, he'll dwell in you and be with you. It's the type of prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. 
God satisfies appetites, and without an appetite, the soul has no interest in the things of God. But when our appetite is fixated upon God, God says, I want to be near that person. I want to dwell in that person. They want me for me. They don't want to just come and get what's in my hand. They want to pray because they love me. They want to read the Bible because they're trying to find me. They lift up their hands in worship because more than anything in the world, they love the Lord their God with all of their heart, soul, and mind. So if you want to be filled with the Spirit, it's this, desire the Spirit. Develop a hunger and a saturation in your soul that says, God, more than anything in the world, I just want you. And they'll do just what Luke 11 says. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more the Heavenly Father will give the Spirit to those who ask Him. Isn't that amazing? That God loves us so much. As He talked to those disciples, I could just see the Father's heart coming through Jesus. I don't want to leave you. I don't want to leave you alone. I don't want to abandon you. So I'm going to send you my Spirit. And He's going to come and be with you. And so that moment when you start to feel alone, you start to feel abandoned, and you start to get before these people and they're trying to blame you and accuse you, don't you worry. My spirit, he'll help you. Will you stand with me this morning? Will you close your eyes with me just right where you're at today? Maybe the missing link in your purposeful life is the Holy Spirit. But oh, how the Spirit wants to come and help you, guide you, and lead you towards the purpose of God for your life. You're not alone. That's the message of the Spirit, is you're not alone. He's going to remind you of Jesus. He's going to remind you the comfort of God. When you're dealing with grief, the God of comfort is present. When you don't know how to talk, the Holy Spirit with boldness will fill you and give you the words to say. You see exactly how the Holy Spirit was intended to be incorporated into the life of the believer. And you and I are not intended to do this life alone of following Jesus. We're intended to do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I want to pray for you and just ask God that God would give you a desire. Give all of us, myself today, just like those early believers in Acts chapter 4. They had to go together and pray. They had some threats. They had some accusations. But they didn't let it stop them. They went together and they prayed and said, God, fill us. We need the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I want to invite you today. If you have a desire, a hunger, a longing for God, if you just come and stand up front with me today. As Jesus said, you need to be clothed with power from on high. A fresh covering that would help you. Feeling a little weak in your life, that's okay. Acknowledge your weakness is space for God's power to be at work. This morning as the choir comes, I just want to encourage you. Would you just come today and stand? Oh, maybe all of us need that today. I'm going to stand because I need all fresh power from the help of the Holy Spirit. We're going to just yearn for the Lord. The thing is, is when you have desire, you have to express it to God. Just tell Him, Lord, I love you. I want you. I'm hungry for you. A child that loves their father, that tells them. So tell the Father today, we're longing for you. We're hungry for you. There's nothing worth more to me, Lord. Lord, like that man who found a treasure hidden in a field. I'm willing to sell everything. I want that treasure. I want the kingdom of God. I want you. So, Lord, we desire you today. 
We're hungry for you, Lord. We're longing for you. God, we don't want what's in your hand. We want you, God. You are the delight of our soul, the treasure of my life, Lord, the darling of heaven, the Lamb of God. We desire you today. Lord, when you came and died on a cross, Lord, you saved us, you redeemed us, and my love we owe to you, God. We owe to you today, Lord. And you are worthy of it all this morning. You're worthy of it all. We're going to sing this song, I'll Say Yes, this morning. And as we sing it, would you just call to the Lord? Just desire, express your desire. Tell the Lord your openness and your readiness. I'll say yes, Lord. I wanted your spirit to help me live the purpose you intended for my life. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord Jesus. We adore you today. Let's sing this morning all together. Call to the Lord today. We need you, Holy Spirit.